Lord. Luke chapter number 19 is where we'll be finding our text for this morning's message. Luke chapter number 19. While you're turning your Bible there, I thought very, very seriously about bringing some people up on church discipline charges for causing the new pastor to have to repent on his first day after coming to his office. The first words out of my mouth upon entering my office is, I am going to kill you. (laughs) They had printed out pictures of the Michigan football game of everything they did wrong from the fumble. Amazingly, they did not add a picture of the foolish referee's call to call a touchdown back, which cost us the game. But they put up every other negative picture you could find. And my office was littered with streamers and balloons. And for those who did that, I know Miss Danette is out of town. Hopefully she's listening to this live. There, uh, there will be repercussions for this. But I do, I do appreciate uh, a good place to meet um, and a good place to study. <clears throat> the office back there is... Uh, a secluded place. I intend to make that a, a private place with the Lord. It's already been used for my own uh, private study and prayer. And as I walk around this facility, there are a lot of thoughts and feelings that I have as a man realizing that there's a lot of things we could do with a facility like this in the Lord's house. My hope and my prayer is that we'd be able to reach this community for Christ and that many souls would be saved I'd love for little children to be running the halls of this church for many years to come. Uh, The youth are the future of this church, and I pray that God would give us wisdom during these years as we serve together. And uh, not that every other age group isn't important. All of you are important to the Lord. We look forward to what the Lord is going to do in this place, and we certainly thank you for the kind reception that you've given to my wife and I. If you would be, please stand with me if you're able for the reading of God's Word. If you're not able, no, no worries. But if you are able, if you would stand with me out of respect for the reading of God's Word. Luke chapter 19, we'll read verses number 1 through 10, and then we'll pray and be seated. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was. And he could not see, or he could not for the press, because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down. For today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be a guest with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for as much as he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save 
that which is lost. And today we're going to be preaching a message titled, When the Chief of Publicans Met the Chief, the Chief Shepherd. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we come before you this morning and we ask, Lord, that you would be with us as we preach your word. We know, Lord, that your purposes are accomplished through the preaching of your word. And we pray, Lord, that as we lift you up in preaching, that you would draw men and women, boys and girls, to yourself. We pray and we ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. The, the connection of this story, the story of Zacchaeus and the preceding chapter, cannot be overlooked. A lot of times in Scripture you need to look at the surrounding context to really see what the Lord was trying to illustrate with these issues and these things. In Luke chapter number 18, we find a story about a parable that Jesus gave in verse number 9, where the Scripture says, And he spoke, he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. And he gave the story how the two men went into the temple to pray, the one a publican and the other a Pharisee. Now the Pharisees were a religious bunch. They dressed the right way. They dressed everything on the outside looked good. They looked religious. They sounded religious. The things they said would make it appear to other men that they were religious but the Lord, as he spoke this parable, said something to others that only the Lord could say. And that is found in verse number 9 at the end of the verse where he said that they trusted in themselves and they despised others. If you despise others, you have a major problem. If you despise others, you don't love the Lord, certainly not the way you're supposed to. And Christ was trying to illustrate to them who was really right with God in this story, the Pharisee or the publican. And in verse 11, the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. Thank you, Lord, that I'm not like him. I'm better than he is. What a prayer. I find it funny that the scripture said that he prayed with himself, then used the word God. I think that was where his prayer was anyway. Verse 12. Here's what I do. I fast twice in a week. I give tithes of all I possess. He, he acted like he was a religious man. He performed acts of religion, but in his heart, Christ described Pharisees as full of dead men's bones. And verse 13 says, And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful unto me, a sinner. And here's the truth that Christ said in verse 14, I tell you, this man, the publican, went to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. It was in this context that this illustration, this story took place with Zacchaeus, a real person who the disciples were able to view and to witness. Another thing that took place in Luke chapter number 18 was the story of the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler came to Christ in verse number 18 of Luke 18, and he said he had the right person, he came to the right place, 
he asked the Savior the right question. Good Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? How can I go to heaven when I die? That's a good question. How do you inherit eternal life? Christ put him under the law in verses 19 and 20, and the young man said, I've done all these things in verse number 21. Again, a religious man, but a rich man. The scripture said, now when Jesus heard these things in verse 22, he said unto him, yet lackest thou one thing, sell all that thou hast and distribute unto the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. At the end of the day, the man needed to get rid of his things and follow Christ. Jesus knew that he would never follow him if he had all of those things. Get rid of your stuff and follow me. And the scripture says in verse 23, And when he heard this, he was very sorrowful, for he was very rich. And when Jesus saw that he was very sorrowful, he said, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? For it is easier for a camel to go through a needle's eye than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And they that heard it said, Who then can be saved? And he said, The things which are impossible with men are possible with God. You may think this is an impossibility, but with God, all things are possible. It was within this context, the parable of the publican and the sinner, and the story of the rich young ruler, that this story of Zacchaeus perfectly illustrated to these how that a person in this estate could be saved. In Luke chapter number 19, we find the place where Christ had gone through was called Jericho. So the preceding chapter, we see the parable, we see the story, we see the rich young ruler. These situations offered this clear picture before the disciples of the Lord. And now we look at the man Zacchaeus. We see from the story his nationality. We see his official position. We see his financial condition. His name was Zacchaeus. Christ said in verse 9 that he was a son of Abraham. Some commentators argue over whether or not Zacchaeus was a Jew. I think they're wrestling with the words of Scripture. For if the Lord said he was a son of Abraham, you can rest assured that he was a descendant of Abraham. The Lord is right and the commentators are wrong. Zacchaeus was a Jew. His official position was the chief of the publicans. He was working for the Romans. And he was good at what he did. His financial condition was that he was rich. There are a lot of rich people in this culture. There's a lot of rich people in Fort Worth. Perhaps you would think of yourself today and say, I personally am not rich. Many of those who are sitting before me, no doubt, by the world's standards, are rich. Riches can cause you issues with the Lord. May your pocketbook be owned by the Lord. First, one of the ways that God tests people is how they handle money. When my wife and I were first married, and I do not 
I do not hide this from people. One of the first decisions that we made as a married couple was to give the first tenth of all of our increase to the Lord and then give an offering and then we give to missions as well. God has taken care of us. We put the Lord first, not last. We didn't go through all of our bills first and then say, what do we have left over to give to the Lord? We got our paycheck. We look at what God gave to us and we said, how can we give back to God what is due His name? We gave Him the first tenth, that is the tithe, and we gave Him an offering. And I'm here to tell you, we were very poor when we first started. Very poor. We didn't make very much money. But I'll tell you this, God saw Himself strong on our behalf. He has helped us. I still believe in the promises of Malachi chapter number 3 to bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. I believe in the blessings of God that comes on those who will be obedient with their finances. I believe it is a major issue in people's lives. Will I be obedient to God with my money? It's a powerful thing. I've seen young people who've grown up in church all of their lives and see their parents tithe and give their offerings to the Lord. And yet when they begin to live their life for the Lord, the one thing that they seem to just draw a little short on is, am I going to give God the first tenth of my increase when they begin to work? Listen, young people, you need to give God the first of your life. God will remember you and he will bless you. In fact, it's a promise of scripture that God promises that he will bless you. But in this area, this man Zacchaeus was working for the Romans and he was very good at it. So good that he took up the chief of the publicans, these tax collectors. This would be like working in America for the IRS and becoming the person who is in charge of the IRS. The chief tax collector. Now the tax collectors in Bible times were thieves. Now, positions of leadership in Bible times were not acquired by laziness or being, un, or being unproductive. Zacchaeus was a successful man by the world's standards. He was successful in this culture. The Jews despised him. But he'd found a good employer who rewarded him and he worked his way up the system in that particular day and age. We have a picture here of a self-reliant man. A self made man and a successful man for himself. However, the scripture makes it very plain that this man was a selfish man and that he was a thief. And here we come up upon in the story this unusual curiosity found in verse number three. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press because he was little of stature. You know, a rich man who was anxious to see Jesus was actually quite a novelty. A rich man overcoming hindrance that he might gratify such curiosity was actually abnormal. Many who have come to Christ from no better motive than curiosity have found salvation unexpectedly brought to their souls. 
I remember hearing a preacher, I mentioned him earlier today on how he walked with the Lord through the death of his son. But he had some other stories about how when he got saved in Stone Mountain, Georgia, and he wasn't even intending to go to church that Sunday night. But for some reason, he wanted to go back and hear that preacher just one more time. And God got all over his soul. And he said after reflecting upon that day, he realized that the very moment he stepped out of the pew was the day and the very moment that he believed on Christ. He wasn't going to church to get saved, but he got saved. You know, the Lord works in on people's hearts many times. We all know the story, or we all should know the story of evangelist Billy Sunday, who I believe went to the Pacific Garden Mission in downtown Chicago and heard a preacher preach and it changed his life around. A major league baseball player who walked in known for his unusual speed and he got saved because he came in to listen to the preaching of the Word of God. This was also not only unique on the part of Zacchaeus to be a rich man desiring to see about Christ and have this curiosity. It's also unusual and unique on the part of Christ. This is the only place in the Gospels where Christ offers himself uninvited to be a man's guest. It's a pretty neat thing, isn't it? That the master of all the universe... You know, the Bible says Jesus was the creator. You know, Jesus is very unique. His existence did not begin in Bethlehem. We just came to the Christmas season. Some people believe that Jesus came into existence at Bethlehem. Oh, no, 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 no. Christ was in existence well before Bethlehem. He's the only person that could say, I'm the same age as my father, and I'm older than my mother. Christ was in existence from eternity past, if you will. He was there at the beginning. And while he walked on this earth, he saw this publican, this short tax collector, in a tree, and he said, I need to go to your house today. In fact, the scripture says, I must abide at your house. The only time in the Gospels where Christ said, uninvited, I'm going to your house. I'm one of the people who today could say that Christ has been a member of my house for many years. Our home has been privileged to have Jesus at the center of our marriage, the center of our home. And every person who knows the Lord Jesus Christ has the Lord in their home. And you should feel privileged that the Lord is there. Perhaps the Lord has never been to your house yet. Perhaps you've never invited the Lord to come into your life and into your house. It was good for Zacchaeus to do this, to allow the creator of all things to come to his home. Christ needed to get there. Not only did Christ know Zacchaeus by name, because he called him Zacchaeus in this passage, he also knew the condition of Zacchaeus' heart. The day when the chief of publicans met the chief shepherd was a good day. Because from there, the chief publican started to follow the chief shepherd. And it's seen in the actions and the attitudes of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus at this day would have no idea how this day would end. He would have no idea how that his life would be forever changed by the Son of God. Many people have found Christ to be altogether lovely and altogether pure and more than they ever dreamed of. I hope you found Christ to be that way. I hope when you got saved that you didn't know all the blessings that God had in store for you and that if you had to do it all over again, you would do it again. Because He is that good. 
There's a uniqueness of Luke 19 and verse number 7 where the scripture says, when they saw it, they all murmured that he was going to be a guest with a man that is a sinner. You know, Christ hung out with people who were sinners. Not to be like them, but he had to be around them in order to influence them. God does not save us to be ivory towers. God saves us certainly to be different. But if we never get around sinners, how can we expect them ever to get saved? How could Christ have ever seen Zacchaeus saved if he didn't go to his house? It wasn't beneath Christ to go to Zacchaeus' home and sit down in his home. This murmuring took place by the lost crowd. You know, by those who were lost and wanted everybody else to stay lost with them. Listen, the Pharisees didn't get saved until they turned to Christ. That was it. If you look at any group of people in the scripture that the Lord was mad at, it was was Pharisees. And if you ever have an attitude like a Pharisee, you need to check yourself real quick. Because you're not going to get anywhere with God. Do you know what the problem with Pharisees were? It's that they were proud. And they believed in themselves and they despised other people. And if that's who you are in the church house today, how is the Lord ever going to use you in your life? God will only use you when you humble yourself. And you're kind and compassionate towards other people. And you want the Lord to use you in your life. Now, here in this passage of scripture, this word murmur is also used in Luke chapter 15. Maybe two pages back in your Bible, if you look at Luke chapter 15, this word murmur, in the Gospels anyway, was unique to these two passages. They murmured about Christ when he went to Zacchaeus' house. And here we have in Luke 15, in verses 1 and 2, we have four groups of people. Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And then you have in verse 2, the Pharisees and scribes then murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. And it was there that the Lord gave the story of the lost coin, and then he gave the story of the lost sheep, and then he told the very well-known story about the prodigal son who came home. The reason he gave the story was to show the Pharisees and the scribes that lost sinners could be saved. The prodigal son was in the position of the lost sinner. These Pharisees and scribes enjoyed their station of murmuring and criticizing. And in this passage of scripture, we see that the self-righteous despise when a man comes to Christ. You know what should take place when a man comes to Christ? When a man invites Christ to come into his home, there should be rejoicing. There should be happiness. You know, if you go back to Luke 15, who's in the picture of the Pharisee in the story of the prodigal son? Well, it was the older brother. He hears a party going on back at the house and they've killed the fatted calf and there's, there's, a, there's all this celebration going on and the father saying, this my son was lost and is found. And he was angry that you've sacrificed the fatted calf for him and not for me. He was in the picture of the Pharisee, how far the older brother was from Christ. What an example that Zacchaeus shows us of overcoming obstacles to get to Jesus. Many today are unwilling to inconvenience themselves to see the Lord. There is a press in many lives. There are things that you could use for excuses not to get to church. Now listen, don't take this offensively. If you have been sick and you've been providentially hindered to come to church, this is not for you. 
But there's a lot of people who absent themselves from the house of God because they don't want to give God an opportunity to, to work in their lives. Too much problem. We have a world today where young people sit behind computer screens and they look behind cell phones and they, they spend more time on social media than, say, in the real world. And coming into a place that is gathered and assembled with people is a very difficult thing for them because they become anxious and they have panic attacks because they're around people. This is the work of the devil in our society for the assembly is the place that God has chosen to build us up, to see the salvation of souls, to see saints edified. Hey, listen, it's a good thing to gather together. There's certain things you can't do behind a computer screen. You can't assemble behind a computer screen. And I've been there, folks, when we didn't come to church because of this pandemic. And I saw it's different when you're sitting in front of a computer screen as opposed to coming to the house of God. It's different. As a matter of fact, there's a lot of people who've fallen out of church entirely as a result of COVID. If there was ever a time in our lives when we felt the attack of the devil, it was on Sunday morning, especially as a young family with children. If there was ever a time when me and my wife got into a time of intense fellowship, if there was ever a time for the children to misbehave, for the children to get in a fight, for there to be bloodshed, for there to be things going on with their diapers, for there, we're on our way out the door to get to church on time and something happens with the children. I saw the devil stand in our way many times. The devil will fight you from getting to church. And the devil's doing a great job at fighting people from coming to the assembly today. In fact, our world here in Fort Worth is no different than anywhere else. A majority of people are not going to the house of God today. We need to do everything we can to get people to come to church. Thank God that this man Zacchaeus got to a place where he wanted to see the Lord. There's an importance of seeing Christ. He was curious about Christ. He had no doubt heard all the accolades about Christ. And he found that all those accolades were true. Years ago, I, my sons were both born on February 25th, 12 years apart. My first born son and my last born son. And my youngest son, he likes basketball. And he likes this guy named Steph Curry from the Golden State Warriors. And to be honest, I grew up watching a little bit of basketball because I grew up in Detroit. and We had some good basketball teams there. And I took them to a ball game on their, on their birthday. And we went to see Steph Curry and his friend play. We saw a guy named Kevin Durant and Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. They were shooting the ball from nearly midcourt over and over and over again, just dropping three-point baskets in. I had never seen basketball players warm up from that distance before and to be that accurate with their shooting. I was truly wowed by what I saw in person. Now, I, I know that it's kind of a raw, carnal illustration. I, I, was, I was more than satisfied with what I was able to see in person as far as how good they were. Well, can I tell you something about Jesus Christ? I'm a satisfied customer. There hasn't been one promise that he's fallen short on for me. The Lord has been there for us. The Bible promises that he will never leave us nor forsake us. The Bible said that we'd have enough strength to get through the day. The Bible says that he would give us grace for, for help in time of need. The Bible says that he is a very present help in time of trouble. And the Lord has been there for us through and through. He's never let me down. It's better than I imagined. The half still hasn't been told about Jesus Christ. The glories of Christ are not to be compared to this world. He was kind. He was compassionate. 
He was forgiving. He was loving with this man Zacchaeus. And one great thing you see about Zacchaeus here, and there have been people who've argued from time to time on, hey, when did Zacchaeus get saved? When did he truly receive the Messiah? When did he believe on him? Some people he believed that he believed the moment he got down from that sycamore tree. And as he was on his way down to the house. You know, we don't really know exactly what time he believed on the Lord. But one thing we do know is that the Lord pronounced him as a believer and a saved man. The Bible says in verse number 8, that, and we're not going to go into this, but basically Zacchaeus put himself under the law and he went even over and above what the law demanded for him to restore to those he stole from. In verse number 8 of Luke chapter 19, And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I've taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. In Exodus chapter number 22 and verse number 1, it basically says if you steal a sheep, you're supposed to give double. A sheep for a sheep. The only way that you're supposed to restore fourfold is if you took the guy's sheep and you killed it before they caught you. This wasn't what Zacchaeus had done. He said, Lord, this is what I'm going to do. If I've stolen from anybody, I'm going to multiply what I've stolen times four. And then he says this. Now listen, if you give to the poor from things you've stolen from others, what did you actually give? Absolutely nothing. You can't offer to the Lord that which doth cost you nothing. You've got to give to the Lord from your own wallet, from your own purse, if you will. So it would have meant any, nothing if he would have just given the Lord of an offering from that which he'd stolen from others. So he basically said, I'm going to give fourfold back to anybody I've stolen from. And the other thing I'm going to do is I'm going to divide all of my living in half... And I'm going to distribute that to the poor. The Lord says that this day salvation came to his house. You know what they call this? They call this restitution. It's something that comes to the heart of someone who gets right with God. They want to make right the things that they had done wrong before. Now you may not remember all the wrongs that you have done before. I mean certainly in every family. I was raised in a family of three. Trust me when I say this. There were transgressions that took place almost every day in my family with the children. And I probably will never get an apology from my sister for the wicked and evil things that she did to me as a child. Now that's just a joke, folks. I mean, some of you got it. It's a tough crowd, but you're going to get through. You know, maybe I'll never get restitution from her. But I want to tell you something. When I got my life right with the Lord, there were some people that the Lord allowed me to cross paths with that I was able to apologize to. That I was able to say I'm sorry for. I wasn't like Zacchaeus. I wasn't taking things from people and and working for the Roman government and over collecting on taxes. But what this man did was called restitution. And this is a sign of somebody who truly wants to get right with God. And it should be seen in the lives of people who truly get right with God even today. In fact, sometimes the sincerity of someone can be tested with whether or not they will make restitution. For that that they have taken from someone else. Or at least they'll be in that particular direction. The change in Zacchaeus was here displayed. He was no longer an oppressor. He was someone who the poor looked forward to seeing coming. Before, when the poor would see Zacchaeus coming, they knew this man was going to take more than what that was due. And he was going to probably take everything they had. Now when they saw Zacchaeus coming, he was being generous and benevolent to them. Let me ask you a question today. Have you ever sought Jesus like Zacchaeus? 
Zacchaeus heard about Christ and he wanted to see about this. Is this true? Is it true about this man who's healing people, healing the blind? This man who's a friend of sinner? Today was a day when he was seeking the sinner. And the Savior would meet this sinner. You know, I don't believe this was an accident to the Lord. He knew exactly who Zacchaeus was and he wanted to save him. Have you ever thought about this saved person that it was God who saw you first? God saw you well before you ever saw him. God was making plans and preparations for your life. You could be in here today and you're not saved yet. I want to tell you something. It's no accident that you're here today and you're hearing the message of Christ. Christ could be reaching out to you. And Christ could be doing something in your life and in your heart. Some may need to get saved today. This dishonest man became an honest man. The selfish man became generous. The sinful man became righteous. Instead of living for self, he lived for the Savior. Instead of seeking something to enrich himself, he put his eyes on eternity and upon mankind. For some, salvation could be likened to coming down from the sycamore tree. You might be in that path today. You might be sitting up in a sycamore tree still gazing upon the Lord. Is He worthy of me to trust? Have I ever been saved by the grace of God? I want to encourage you today, friend, you should come down from that sycamore tree and you should allow the Lord to come into your heart. Christ bids you come down. Christ bids you receive Him into your heart, into your house. I want to say this today as we close. If you're not saved today, if you don't know the Lord as your Savior, and the Lord is working in your heart to receive Him for forgiveness of sins, for a home in heaven when you die, I want you to know this, that Jesus Christ paid for every sin that you have ever committed on the cross. We listened to the choir sing a song this morning about our transgressions, that Jesus was wounded for our transgressions. Some 2,000 years ago, the man Jesus Christ, the man in this story who forgave that tax collector, he went all the way to Calvary's cross and he laid his hands down willingly so that he could be crucified. He, his blood was shed so that we might be forgiven. If you've never been forgiven by the grace of God, can I tell you that the gospel, the Bible says the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ is still sufficient for those who would believe on the Lord. If you're not saved today, you can be. If you're not right with God today, you can be made right. If there's someone here today who's drifted far from shore, Christ will shine the light from the lighthouse to show you how to get home. If the Lord is working in your life, just do what the Lord says to do during this invitation. Let's stand together with our heads bowed and our eyes closed as we prepare for a verse of invitation. There could be somebody in church today and you say, I'm just like that Zacchaeus. I'm, I, I need to see about the Lord. Could be somebody in church today wants to use the altar to pray. Jesus said that my house should be called the house of prayer. As we play this number, if the Lord has spoken to your heart, I want to ask you to come. As we sing. Page 160. Oh, soul, are you weary? Oh,
be saved. church this is your verse if there's something else that needs to be done in the church house apology needs to be made a, a hug around somebody's neck if the lord has told you to do anything make this the verse that you obey him as we sing Through death into life everlasting. 
said amen it's been good to be in the house of the lord we want to invite everyone who's here to stay with us for the meal that is after the uh the service this morning tonight we'll be having 6 p.m services again we do meet at this church at 6 p.m correct all right just wanting to make sure you weren't methodist or something meeting at eight o'clock or something like that and uh, it's good to know that that was a joke folks you can laugh We're going, to, we're going to work this in, a little bit of humor from time to time. It was no slide against the Methodists, just different methods. But uh, we're looking forward to it. Now, listen, I didn't have nothing to do with the decorations over there. They decorated a Michigan table uh, for me, and I thank you for doing that. You know, the maize and blue still, is still good for me. But let's say you're voting for Georgia. Please feel free to welcome, to be welcome over there. I mean, you may not feel very welcome with the colors you see. But I want you to know that even if you're voting for Georgia tomorrow, you should stay and eat with us. Can I get an amen Amen. in the house of God? Okay, a couple of you didn't say amen. We'll be praying for you to come back tonight and get right with God. Um, Does anything else need to be said or added? Do we have any other announcements? Brother Flores, Brother Davison. How do you guys normally close? In a word of prayer or a song? Okay, apparently Brother Davison is going to come and sing a chorus. Come on up. Not just me, y'all need to partake in the city. Amen. Amen.